Hello everyone, Sasquatch here. Today we're going to review The Expanse Season 1. It's our first season that we're going to review, so it might get a bit disjointed at some points, but we're going to try our best. Yeah, can I tell you a big fear of mine here, Sasquatch? What's that? Trying to describe this show succinctly is going to be a nightmare. Well, we are very good at talking nonsense though, so we can jump back and forward and just hope everyone keeps up with us. Yeah. I think before we go on, we can say that the I think our review of the show is pretty glowing. Like, it's very good. And at this point, if you want to stop, go away, watch it, then come back. Feel free to do that. I'd never heard of it before until you suggested it. And I really liked it. Yeah. We liked it to the point where we wanted to keep watching immediately into the extra, the next seasons. But we thought, no, we need to stop and talk about it now. Otherwise, we'll just like disappear off into the distance and then go, oh, when did season one stop? Where were we? Yeah, I think it would definitely all merge together so we wouldn't be able to divide it. So hopefully we'll be able to do maybe like a review for each season, depending how this goes, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. To describe the world of the show, it's a hard, fi- hard sci-fi show where Earth, hundreds of years from now, ha- has already colonised Mars and Ceres and Eros, the dwarf planets in the asteroid belt, I believe. And at some point in the past within this show, uh, Mars has seceded away from Earth and is its own government system now. So you've got Earth and Mars vying for resources within the solar system. And you've got the pressures pressures not only on Mars to keep getting resources because it's a planet with no atmosphere, but you've also got Ceres, which is the largest dwarf planet in the asteroid belt, vying for resources like water and air, which are more valuable than gold to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Within here, there's essentially other organisations working to try and potentially put Earth and Mars to war against each other. And that's as much as we can say without really doing spoilers, I'd say. Uh, Yeah, so it's a brief summary. Yeah. It's the sci-fi action. Yeah, that, that's, that's the brief world that the show exists within. Yes. Um, but yeah, I guess before I guess before we go on, we should say that this is going to be... I'm going to try and keep this as least rambly as possible, but because you're talking about three planets at least always being mentioned as well as multiple ships and different people within different parts of these places. It's going to be a nightmare to try and describe all of their starting points and all of them crescendoing towards the end of the plot. But if we do miss something that's important, we will jump back to it, so it might be a bit back and forth, but we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. So, spoiler warning from here on out. Uh, I've got two things to say before we go on. One is that this is like the fifth time we're recording this segment because I keep referring to Sasquatch by her real name. Yes. And so now she's wearing a sign that has Sasquatch exclamation mark all over it. And bright orange. Yeah. Now if I forget... Like a little name tag. Yeah. I'm almost like I'm tempting fate by talking about this that I might say your name again. But you're Sasquatch, 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 and I'm Turnip. Sasquatch is my name. Yes. Who are you? You're Sasquatch. That's right. Exactly. Okay. The second disclaimer is that Sasquatch continuously 
changes character names. It's kind of ironic. We're talking about you getting my name I know. wrong. After <laughs> all this. I know, it's me that changes the names. Exactly. Exactly. You essentially make up names for characters as you see them. Because unless their name, like, really emboldenly... Unless it stands say, out, yeah, I unless, cannot remember it for the life of me. So yeah. I create names that, based on their what they're doing or something in the plot or personality, to help me remember... Who they are. Yeah. So, who, just quickly before we go on, who is your favourite character? My favourite character is Puppy. Puppy. Right, and just to be clear, there is no dog in this show. No. No, so, uh, your favourite character is Puppy. My favourite character, according to your naming convention, is Mr. Hats. Exactly. Yes. Now, we're going to get into... We're going to get into describing this, but I'm going to try and say my, uh, the actual character names the most. And I will just use my normal names because I can't remember their character names. Yes. Um, so anyway, so to start off with, there are two, I would say there's two main people it follows the show. There's three groups, but kind of two main ones. Yeah. The, so the U, the UNN... Which is the United Nations... Actually, I don't know what the UNN stands for in the show. United Nations nominated. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very important. Essentially, all you need to know is UNNN. UNNNNNN. The UNN is essentially the Earth's government, by and large, for the plot of this show. And you see, you only really see it from the point of view of one woman who works for it, really. And like her dealings with it, but she's she's only like flavor text to jumpstart how so you can see how Earth are responding to all the changes happening within the show, and isn't as important. You you couldn't necessarily cut it out. I really kind of like that they're not major bits. Well, they're major to the plot, but they're not major bits. They're only like a few minutes here and there, but I I really like it. Yeah. But those are the bits that definitely I'm not going to remember when and where they they appear because no too um, bitty for that they're, they're too small and they're too small and um, not really essential to know. But we both agree that this woman has fabulous dress sense. She's the best dressed in the whole show. Exactly. Easily. Um, anyway, the two main groups are it starts with the crew of a ship called Canterbury, which is a ice farming ship out in the belt. The Ice Astro Hauler. Belt. Ice Hauler, yes. That's the first main group. And the second... Well, it's not even a group, it's a person. Well, there's kind of side characters, but it's mainly the one person. Yeah. But it's Miller. Mr. Hatz. Mr. Hatz. Miller is a cop on series, And he at first comes across as a very brutal... And we thought at first just dodgy cop, like somebody who would take backhands or beat a confession out of someone just for the sake of it. That's how. Which, I f- to be fair, he kind of is a wee bit, but at the same time, he is the good guys. He's on the good guys. Team. Yeah, his moral comp, his moral compass is aligned correctly. It's just slightly bent. Yes, very very good way to put it. <laughs> yes, and he's called Mister Hats by Sam because, at least at the beginning of the show, he's wearing a very trendy hat. Which everyone else comments on as well in the show, so... 
We're drawing attention to the fact that he is Mr. Hacks. Yes. Um, I think his hairstyle is the best bit about him, though. It's so unusual, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he looks like the main character in Kingpin, if anybody watching has ever seen that. But uh, I, know, uh, I know Sasquatch hasn't seen that, so... I know Sasquatch hasn't seen that, so like she she doesn't quite get the reference, but no. Edmund Muntz, that haircut, that's it. I feel um, like I need to look up a picture or something, but no. Yeah. Anyway, the whole story starts uh, following a girl, called, a girl called Julie. It looks as if she... It's on a derelict-looking ship. She seems trapped in a room, and she you see her break out of the room. Like a wee cell or something. Yeah, it looks like a cell, or maybe like... I, I first thought it was her own room, but she breaks out the cell. She's floating around, she's trying to work out, get her bearings, what's happening. You see, and this is such a cool shot, you see a floating suit fly past her. Well, at this point, when revealing, we saw it, we weren't sure. It also revealed the crew, the, the name of the ship, the Scopuli. Exactly. Cool name, by the way. Um, revealed the Scopuli. And then, you at this point you still don't know what's happening. You see her head towards the uh, the reactor of the ship, although you don't know it's a reactor at this point. And then you see. Uh, well, it's so quick. You're not actually a hundred percent sure what you see at this point. Yeah, but essentially what you see is a man getting eaten by a big pile of blue goo. Well, from my perspective, I remember it quite clear. So at the start, I remember seeing, like, glowing blue and what I thought was a man being absorbed into some sort of electrical thing. Well, that's closer to it. it, it I, I assume they are getting eaten, but, like, it's not like nom 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 nom, like big chomping teeth or anything like that. So it, absorption is probably more accurate or dissolved, like, into... into ah, but at, at that point, I didn't know if it was going to be an entity or just, like, a big... I don't know, reactor yeah. for the ship or something. Something had gone wrong. But Anyway, she screams and then fade to... Um, the fade main to black. characters. Well, fade to black there. Yeah. Um, Miller, the cop, he is basically asked, not as part of his job, but more of a side gig, to look up Julie and find her. Basically, she is the daughter of a very, very rich man back on Earth who wants her back. And she's meant to be the sort of rebellious daughter trying to annoy her dad. Yeah. And, well, and he, he's basically tasked with find her, and then, it, assuming they do find her, that police force is going to bung her back into a ship somewhere and fly her home. Yeah. Um, the other main part of the story resolves around the crew of the Canterbury, which is hauling ice, it's heading back to Ceres, when... It gets a call, well, it receives a distress signal, which the captain at first decides he's going to ignore. And I can't remember if he says he's going to ignore it just because they only see get trouble out of these, or if they wanted to ignore it for a different reason. I can't quite remember. I think it was that it's just trouble for them. Yeah. So he was going to ignore it, but then something about. There was something about it that made the. Potentially the main character of the whole show realise that... Uh, he heard something on the distress yeah, call. Yeah, he thought he heard something through the distress call and decided he had to... 
Log it. Log it. And once it's logged, they have to do it. Yeah. So this turns out to be the distress signal of the Scopuli. And the main ship heads towards the Scopuli. Uh, the cantry parks up some distance away. And a crew of five people, I believe it is. Yeah, crew of five. A crew of five people, including um, the main character, who we'll, we'll name them all eventually. <laughs> I'll hold off on my names until you've got yes. a good story going. Um, they get off. Uh, so they take the smaller ship over. The reports are that there's nothing, nothing in the vicinity. The Scorpio seems dead and like completely dead to rights. So there doesn't seem to be any activity from it. Uh, and they basically said the scans reveals nothing within like a million clicks or whatever the exact terminology was there. They board it. They notice that it's completely empty. And there's no power. Oh, that's a big one as well. And there's no power, yes. It was empty and there was no power. But it didn't seem like anything was... Is it not? They didn't seem like anything was too damaged or anything. So they weren't... There was no clue as to what had actually happened. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, the that's cut short, though, because uh, they suddenly out of nowhere find that there's a signal of um, another ship nearby. And the Canterbury... Uh, is being, is it hailed or do they just notice it appears? It's, there's a box under one of the tables on the scopuli, and they realise there's a it's like a yeah, fake a, signal or a locator signal it, or something. It was was it not Martian tech. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Which it was some sort into of, the plot later. Yeah. But then a ship appears, and is it not they think it's coming for them, so they're trying to get back to their little mini pod ship. Yes, that's it, yeah. So they're trying to get back into the ship to get back to the Canterbury, but then the ship that comes... The, the ship basically is a stealth ship, comes completely out of nowhere and destroys the Canterbury very, very quickly. Um, they're on their ship, their wee ship, and they're trying to escape. Um, they're, they're hiding, actually, I seem, I seem to remember at this point. They try to hide away from it. They get on the wee ship, and then they have to fly through the rubble, though, of the other ship. Yes, as it's been blown up. Yeah, because yeah. it's all flying all over the place. And, and it gets to... damaged during that. Yeah. Yeah. So the main five that get off at this point are James Holden. Coffee Bean. <laughs> this is going to be so good. Uh, Naomi. Curly Hair. Eamon. Puppy. The Medic. I think I just called him Medic Man. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Or Doctor Man. Yeah, and to be fair, I should have looked this up, but I, I've got to be honest. I just like the name that you gave him anyway, and uh, bus driver. Yes, bus driver. Bus driver being the pilot, and the only reason he's called bus driver is because, at one point, it's revealed he used to be a um, pilot for some Martian vessels. But when he is asked more about it by the rest of the crew. He basically says, I was essentially a glorified bus driver. And hence the name, bus driver. <laughs> bus driver, yes. Um, Coffee Bean, do you want to describe Coffee Bean? Um, how he got his name, or yeah. just his general character? How he got his name? Um, he really, really likes coffee. And at one point, there's this... I can't remember what else was going on, but they're on the ship and he's panicking because he cannot find the coffee beans for this wee coffee machine he's found. And he's really sad in case there's no coffee to go in the machine. Mm. And then 
He finds coffee beans. Yeah, and later on he's seen giving coffee to everyone in the crew. Because all he does is use a free machine now that you can use it. Yes. Uh, Naomi, curly hair, I think that's just, just character description. Well, I, I really liked her hair. Remember, before we even named them or knew their main character, I commented on her hair. Yeah, so she's got sort of like a short afro cut style, but like one side shaved as well. It's like all, she's got loads of curly hair, but it's all like piled on the top and then like shaved or, I don't know, on both sides, but... It's, oh, that's it, yes. It's, it's very nice. Yeah. And I just pointed it out. I was like, she's now called Curly Hair. Eamon. Puppy. Puppy. Is called that because? He, well, he doesn't do whatever Curly Hair says, but he pretty much backs her up on everything, regardless of if he agrees or not. But he's really, really violent at the same time. But he will do... Like he's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like he's got his violent bursts, but you'll follow her around he's, like he's a puppy. Like, he's like, yeah, he's like a bodyguard, I'd say almost. He's like the, he's like the muscle. Yeah. Uh, Naomi essentially is a fantastic engineer, um, a fantastic engineer who he hasn't seen put a foot wrong, so he puts his complete and utter faith in her. Yeah, he's got full trust in her that what she decides is best for whatever situation. It's kind of interesting, because at first when we were watching a show, I was like, well, James Holden, I only know, I don't know why I know his second name. There's some characters I don't know their first name, but I know his second name as well. But James Holden, he appears to be the main guy, because it follows him in the Canterbury, he's like the one that, like, you see the, from every single shot, it's from his point of view. But when he gets onto this ship, he, you're not even sure if he is actually in charge of the ship. Yeah, kind of just, I like that though. Yeah. You're not really sure who's going to be in charge, but you do kind of lean towards it's going to be him. Because I think before the coffee moment, he was just called the main dude. Yes, it does, yeah. But, yeah, so, anyway, there's a little bit of power dynamic on the the, sm the small ship uh, between, um, between Naomi and James. And whose decision is correct. I think at first they definitely follow Naomi more. Yeah, that's just to add the wee bit of drama, though. It's like... It's, there's no one really else that is between Coffee Bean and Curly here. But we're not really sure who's going to be the winner. Although we did lean towards Coffee Bean getting it anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Before going on, we need to say that with the Canterbury being destroyed, with Martian tech found... Essentially, that points towards that this was a Martian attack on the asteroid belt. And if that was the case, that would be a direct challenge to Earth and potentially then going to war. Um, what that happens next is James essentially puts out a distress call. Because their ships... Their ships essentially the ships dead damaged or the air supplies damaged the well the radar is damaged the they have a limited amount of oxygen um i think they don't know they i don't even know if they can course correct at this point yeah they're just floating there i, I think, think they're just hailing i think they're just hailing whatever comes by and what comes by is a martian ship and they think they're here to kill us yeah so he he beams out a message basically saying i'm james holden uh a group of people that survived the, the attack on the canterbury um, basically, it's basically a message to say like Mars now can't kill us. It was an insurance policy. Yeah, but nobody else wanted him to put it out. So we coffee beans like I'm doing it. Yeah, 
Uh, so anyway, they he puts it out, and he eventually becomes the the, the picture of resistance on Ceres, because Ceres is where the Canterbury is going back to to deliver ice to, and because they didn't do it, they're now short on water. Within there, and you see a lot of problems with lack of water in the public there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the Martians pick them up, and. Uh, on their ship, the Donager, which appears to be like, it appeared to be like a battleship. It was a military vessel. It might not have been like a, a main fleet vessel, but it was a pretty big ship. Yeah, from all the comments, though, it, all the big Mars ships floating about are fairly scary if you're you're on the wrong side of them. So even mm. like the smaller ones with their guns and whatnot, they're quite brutal if you're attacked by them. Yeah. But they're picked up by them, and assuming that they are being completely straight with the people from the Canterbury, um, essentially say that the essentially say that it wasn't us. It wasn't us. Um, but they are interrogated, to and you find out a lot of more revealing sort of secrets based on each character for that point. Yeah, they're all interrogated. Um, so that's when we find out about bus driver, like being employed with the Martians for like. I don't know. Was he actually from Mars? I'm not really sure on that uh, point. I can't remember now. But I can't remember. He was, lot... was with them for like twenty odd years or something, being their wee bus driver. Yeah. And they never even knew he worked for Mars or anything. So that was a, a kind of, spanner in the works for the wee team. Yeah, there is mention that they think. Naomi is a member of the OPA. Now, the OPA had already been mentioned at this point in passing, but the OPA essentially is a terrorist organization who want what's best for the people uh, mainly in the belt. The belters, yeah. The belters. And they think they think Naomi's uh, OPA member. She denies it. And the Martian who, in a really cool scene, is taking a wee tablet, which seems to, like, alter how he perceives how people respond to things. I love that we did. He was good. It was a really cool concept, though, that tablet. So it was like it heightened his, his pupils, dilated, heightened his senses. He wanted to see hands. He was looking for twitching. It's like he was a human lie detector. Yeah, it's it's kind of almost... At first, we weren't sure if he was, like, reading their mind. Mm-hmm. But I think he was, he was like Super Sherlock or something when he took his tablet. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, everyone gets interrogated. And essentially the one story comes out that um, Mars wasn't behind the attack. Uh, Mars wasn't behind the attack and the members of the Canterbury... Uh, they can't determine if one of them is an OPA member, but it does seem weird that they were the only survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, that ship is attacked. By the same sort of stealthy ships Ex as before. By exactly the same ones. They do get a couple of scans on the ship, and they do manage to get a few pictures. But this stealth ship seems to be so... Powerful and such high tech that the Martians, the the Martian admiral, basically says, "I've we've never seen anything quite like this before," uh, and they do defend themselves, but ultimately they uh, 
they do defend themselves, but ultimately the ship is going to go down. Um, the crew, they decide that they have to get James Holden off the, the vessel, because but he demands that the rest of the crew comes with him. Which they deny. They deny it at first, yes, but he fights he fights valiantly to get his his crew off the ship as well. So And they also get the I don't know, the sort of memory card of the ship that logs the ships are being attacked with. Yeah. So they're trying to fight him to get uh, get him off, and this is when the first casualty occurs in the show, uh during the fight. Uh, they're strapped. They're strapped into the seats because of the turbo. Well, the rest of the team, yeah, they're strapped into the seats and they're wee sort of holding cell that they're all in. But they're all in together. Yeah, and um, you see a very cool shot where you see like a, a is it a round of, of like a, a shot from the other ship flies through their pen and out the other side. They're they're already wearing their their suits for uh, uh, breathing protection, but you. There's a cool shot where you see like the hole, the entry hole, and then you turn around and you see the exit hole. But the exit hole is right where Medic Man's head used to be. Which is why he never got a full title. <laughs> yes, he never because... got a full title because he never lived long enough to receive one. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, he uh, he's dead. But there's this really cool moment where he's his body's floating and it's in the chair but like restrained by the the, the seatbelt essentially and then when power is restored to the so that their anti-grav so, so their gravity boots essentially work to hold them to the floor the mag boots when that happens his body then gets thrown back into its seat and the bubble of blood that was forming above him splats down it's yeah, kind of gru- it's, it's kind of gruesome but it was a really cool shot it was very well done yeah. Um, I do like the moment that, though, because one of the secrets discovered when they're interrogating them all was that he wasn't actually a medic. He'd somehow forged to get in to be the medic. And his last thing that he actually did was trying to help someone before he died. Yes. Which, I kind of like that moment. Yeah. But anyway, through through the death of many Martians, they managed to get that their crew off the sh- off the Donager, onto a small ship called the Rosinante. No, it's not called the Rosinante first. Ah. It's the Martian ship, but it's a it's a wee mini gunship. So when they get off, they realise. I can't remember the exact thing of it, but in order to to get past ships or to dock at different stations or something, they realise they can't have it logged as a Martian gunship because they're obviously. Not no, from well, Mars. Well, they'll be like, well, you're, survive, you're the survivors of the Donager. Yeah. Um, so they, they managed to reprogram the ship, even though they're not meant to. Yeah. And they rename it the Rosinante. There is this quite good moment where they go, well, we survived the Canterbury, and we survived the Donager, but we're, both the, we're the only survivors of both ships, so anybody who's looking at us will think that we definitely have to be the cause of them, because we've the only, we're the only common, common factor. But whatever coffee bean touches dies. Yes, seems to be that way anyway. Um, I think it's probably best we just carry on with them just now. Yeah, we'll go with them and go back to the we'll other go. sections. Yeah. There. So they dock at 
This was a rather bizarre thing that never really got explained fully. I don't know if it will do in the future, but... I think it will come into the plot later. Or I'm hoping so, because either it's just that. Yeah. The... Essentially a guy who is openly an OPA member, or at least a strong tie to the OPA, uh, is building a Mormon ship designed to travel to the next nearest star looking for whatever the Mormon believe the Mormons within this world believe is out there for them. Yeah. For their religion. Um and he basically says you can stop here uh you can stop here. Essentially he wants he's got ulterior motives. He also wants to find Julie. Yes, which I still can't name yet. <laughs> you still can't name Julie, yes. Um because it's a spoiler, a super spoiler, even within this spoiler section. I'll reveal it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite at the end. Um, they are asked to go find Julie. Although they're not, they aren't told it's, her name's Julie at that moment. It's like, um, you're looking for... Lloyd or something? Was it not? Linus? Linus Plinkerton or something? like yeah. some, some Some unusual name like that. Um, so they get given coordinates. Um... And basically, they all decide they're all going out in one group together. And is that when the ship gets to be named the Ross and Nanty? I can't remember if it was before they docked there or after they left. I can't remember myself either. It's, it's kind of not important, but it, it's the Ross and Nanty, I'm pretty sure. Which they named it after someone they liked. Was it not? Or it was someone bus driver or puppy? No, it's puppy. Someone puppy liked. Like a woman that look, they used to look after him or something was called Rosinante. Ah, uh, okay. Because bus driver was wanting, what was it, like, like Death Star Fire Boom or something. Uh, yeah, it was like some... Because he was really excited <laughs> the, to be a the pilot. Thor's hammer, something like that, yeah. 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 Um, bus driver loves that ship. He absolutely loves that ship. He's he's been dreaming of flying like a fighter style ship before. But no one would ever let him, and now he's just kind of been thrown into it, and he's and he's he's in his own world. Yeah, even with all this craziness going on around him, he's absolutely loving it. Yeah, so they're asked to go find this person, which turns out to be Julie. The coordinates are on this asteroid, but when they look in there very carefully, they see that there is a they see that there is a ship in there. And it is one of the stealth ships. Yeah. Um, but again, it's all powered down and... Yeah. They can't seem to see if anyone's on it or whatnot. They go down there to investigate it. They discover on there the blue goo stuff. Which you see Julie on the Scopuli see. At first. Yes. Uh-huh. They realise it's dangerous, and they say it almost felt alive. So when they get off... And you get a much better look at it this time as well. Yeah. When they get off, they... There's two things. They, they, they essentially realise they need to go to Eros. And they decide that the best decision for this is to nuke the ship. So yet again, anywhere they've touched, kaboombo. Yes, they're still destroying everything wherever they go. Um, I think this is probably the best way we go back to Miller. 
Yes, uh huh. So, Miller's story is much more of like a crime drama. Uh, where like you see him like going investigating all sorts of different parts of the story, but like he's trying to work it out, and you're also being fed information and can kind of build stories. You go, so while you're bouncing between the two, you're getting more of the background of well, what's been happening, why is this happening. Um, but the main bullet points are Miller. Miller has to delve into like the underground of series, to basically bribe steal, fight, punch, and almost die in trying to find what ship Julie left on and where she ultimately is. While also, basically, well, not living in her apartment, but he goes to her flat an awful lot for yeah, the he does say water and shower and... Yeah, because he's out. Um, I personally think Miller's got the most intriguing story. Myself? I think he was the most, I don't know, not developed, well maybe developed character, because at first we weren't sure if we were going to like him or I think I, I think was. I knew I was going to like him, regardless of whether they made him slightly better or slightly worse than where he started. Whereas I think you grew he, he to grew, like him yeah, more. Yeah, he definitely grew on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> essentially Miller finds out that Julie had left on a scopuli. But she was working to get some weapon or something off of another ship. Yeah, and he realises she was working for the the OP. Yes. Even though she was an Earther, and the OP is generally the Belter people, is that right? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, he's finding out all this. Um, he takes this information to his head of police. He tells him everything. Gives him a little data chip of like coordinates and like uh, all sorts of information based on the story, uh, based on what has happened. She takes it, asks him if he's made a copy, puts it in her safe, and then fires him on the spot. Has security lead him out and basically say, "I told you to leave this alone." But before, we've kind of forgot to introduce one of the main characters that leads to this. So is this Price? Yeah, I call him Price because if you've watched Mad Men, he's in that and he's called Price. Yeah, what's the actor's real name again? Harris? Jared Harris? There we go, yeah. Jared Harris, yes. Who's in Chernobyl. Which we have yet, well, I've yet to watch. Yeah, I'm, I, I have watched and it's really good. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so who is Jared Harris in this story who is Price in this story I think he's he's the lead OP dude on series yes so he's kind of the four of the people that live on the belt he wants the rights or whatever but he's quite brutal yeah I mean he sees he sees he sees what his objective is and he wants to help how to get it. I mean, ultimately, he tries to kill off Miller at one point. Yeah, he's the big bad wolf that thinks he's doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, he. So he tries to kill Miller at one point, but then when Miller gets fired, Miller essentially, well, Price essentially says to Miller, "Well, you can join us now." 
kind of. And you don't see them, you only see them in one scene together, where he appears in the bar full of OPA members, which totally, like, the police could go down and arrest them all if they wanted to. But they're just like, nah, nah, it's not quite as clean cut as that. Um, so, Miller realises he needs to go to Eros. Yeah, but he's now doing it off his own back because he feels like he has to find Thingamabob. Yeah. Julie. Well, I can't say my name. <laughs> That's true. I'm like, true. it's a Jai something. Okay. And obviously the crew of the Rossinanti is heading to Eros as well. And this is where... We start to merge. They start to merge. So they're both heading towards a place called the... Is it the Blue Haven? Is that not the hotel? It is a hotel. The Blue something. The Blue Hotel. We'll call it the Blue Hotel. Yeah. So, Julie... But the best part also is when Mr. Hatz meets up with his wee friend he did and we find out the history of the hat. Oh, yeah. And how he's actually sold in the hat. Yeah, because he's now hatless at this point. Yes, because he lost his hat. Yeah. And you only know, you only know like, like he sold that hat because the guy turns around and says, where's my hat? And then you find out. <laughs> so I quite like that just thrown in there, hat history. Because they went on about it for quite some time. Yeah. But the funny bit now is that Mr. Hats, who's Miller, Mr. Hats is hatless now. Yet he's still called Mr. Hats. Because we know he had a hat. Yes. Your naming conventions are weird, Sasquatch. I think they're pretty apt. It makes reviewing things interesting. Well, Mr. Hats also gets a nickname within his nickname. Once he goes to the Blue Hotel. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember that now. Um, anyway. When they get to the, the hotel, both both teams converge. They're both looking for someone. He know, uh, Miller knows he's looking for Julie. The group think they're looking for... Well, we've kind of forgotten about Mr. Eyes. Because he, he stowed away from the... What was it, the Mormon spaceship building place? Yeah, the only reason I left him out is because he's one of the things that he, he helps them get to where we're headed. But well, it kind of make, it makes sense to mention him from the Blue Hotel. So he's kind of been with them and you're not sure if he's good, bad, whatnot. Yeah, I, I think he's meant to be working for Earth. He's meant to be working for the main UN and Women on Earth and trying to basically take James Holden. Yeah, he wants coffee. And stow him away. Back to Earth for questioning. Um, yeah, so once they get to the Blue Hotel. Once they get to the Blue Hotel, um, they realise something's wrong. Because, like, they're, this is the crew of the Rosnati. They're in there. They, people are looking at them funny. Things are taking... Uh, the hotel looks horrible, by the way. It looks like the worst one-star motel on, like... In, like, a, an American horror film where everyone dies. That's the sort of level of hotel this looks like. Um, yeah. And a shootout occurs. Um, but that was because Mr. Eyes told them where they were going or did something. Yes. Yeah, so well, he, he runs. Yeah, so he's, he's off. And then big shootout. Big shootout. Um, they ultimately win, but they win because Miller appears and shoots the last guy who had them like held down behind the couches. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, who are you? Who are you? 
<laughs> I would have loved him to just turn around and go, I'm Mr. Hats. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Coffee Bean. I think me and you will work fine together. Oh, but there, there's a moment, so Coffee Bean goes up to Mr. Hats after the big shootout. And I can't remember if he says something to him or he touches him. He touches him. And Mr. Hats turns around and says, like, you touch me again, you're dead. Yeah. And this is when we puppy just looks at him and goes, ho ho, like, I like this yeah. dude. Well, Co- Coffee Bean turns around, sorry, I'm going to use the real names. James turns around and looks back at the rest of the crew. Eamon's at the front. And Eamon's looking between where Miller had been and James. He's looking between the two. And then sort of shrugs his shoulders and basically goes like, like it's the way his face looks is just like, yeah, yeah, I agree with everything he just said there. Yeah, because he is quite a violent wee puppy, but it's just at that moment I'm like, Mr. Hats is like big puppy, he's like daddy puppy. Yes. And wee puppy approves. Yep. Um, and this is where I'm pretty sure I was like, Joe, I'm just fully embracing these names now. Well, you kind of need to, because they're, they're both like violent guys, but at the same time when it's something important or they know it's right, they're as loyal as anything. Mm. It's like Mr. Hats is looking for Thingamabob. And he does anything he can to find her. And um, obviously Puppy uh, does whatever Curly Hair says. Yeah. Or coaxes her, like stands by her and coaxes her to the right reasoning that he thinks. Yes. But he does it privately, so he's always standing by her side in the moment. Yeah. Um, Then they both head up to the room. So they, they know what room the Joey and or um, the pseudo, the sorry, the alias name that the crew were given. Uh, they know what room it is. Open the room. Every light in there is smashed. Everything's destroyed. And uh, there's a horrible stench. And I think I immediately said to you, well, she's dead, isn't she? Yeah, that's what we were thinking. Um, and then uh, they go into the bathroom and in the shower... A naked dead woman there, covered in blue pustules and, like, scar tissue and things Uh, like that. It's, like, rash, scabby patches. Yeah, but there's also, like, spikes coming out of her mouth and things like that. It's it's like it's grown out of her a bit. Yeah, like crystals and patches and it's... Yeah, it looked like the the blue goo but dried up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not pleasant. Yeah. So, this is when... I believe this is going into the ninth episode. You get the information dump of what actually happened from Julie's point well, of view. Well, first of all, I can announce that. Oh yes. Julie's name is Dead Girl. Yes, because it took you that long to decide on a name. She yeah, already died. I just, I just kept making up different things and saying things involving that, and then it's like when she's Dead Girl, I'm like Dead Girl. Yep. We know who she is. Um, Dead. <laughs> <laughs> now you're using it. <laughs> yeah, Dead Girl. Um. Uh. Anyway, you go back and see it from Julie's point of view. So, she was trying to steal a weapon. I believe from her father's... Oh, we forgot ship. to mention all that stuff with Phoebe. The one name I actually remember. Yeah, you actually remember Phoebe. So, Phoebe is a station? Is it? I think so. It's either a planet or a station. Yeah. Well, this is kind of when it's all... Like, it's mentioned, but this is when it's all like revealed anyway. Yeah, but we actually so, find out. So, Phoebe... They found something on Phoebe and we're researching it and it turns out to be like some sort of bio-organic Well they want it as like a bio-weapon don't they? Yeah they find essentially a bio-weapon which comes across as like a blue goo at least but 
it seems to have a, a presence of its own, or like some sort of like artificial intelligence as well on top of itself. Yeah, um, it's like evil alive goo. Yeah, and uh, scientists working on it had basically synthesized it and were transporting it when uh, Julie's ship is trying to take it, but they actually attack Julie's ship. Yeah, and they take them prisoner. So the Scopuli crew are then taken prisoner in this other ship, which is why she was in that wee holding cell at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she essentially got goo on her, not from the reactor, the big reactor one that we saw, but she got goo on her just from, like, passing and, like, touching a banister and then wiping it on herself. Yeah. Um, but you see her getting off the ship and heading to Eros. And then you see her in Eros, she's really sick. Like, comes Coughing, across, like... doesn't yeah, look great. Kind, kind of looks like... Your standard Walking Dead, like uh, I've been bitten by a zombie and I'm turning. That kind of, she kind of looks like a patient you know zero. She's almost. not gonna do well. Yes, and you see her in a room. She, she's coming across with rashes, these blue pustules, and like the her skin's like seems to be peeling away or like just disappearing as this thing grows out of her. She smashes all the lights because she gets the feeling that. Well, she knows this power that feeds it. Because remember, she turned off the ship when she left mm, it. True. So she already knows that power seems to feed it anyway. So she breaks all the lights. But then you see her, like, in so much pain, crawling towards the bathroom and then dying there and then. But also to, to mention that when she was in the wee holding cell on the ship, and if we go back to the very start when Coffee had been logged the distress call, he heard a voice. It was her in the wee holding cell saying she needed help. Yes. And so she was the ultimate reason why everything got kick-started. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they find her dead. And then um, you'd think the police come to help. And the policeman, who's a friend of Miller, is there. But he's quickly overruled by this group of people that appear with like lots of guys with machine guns. He's a scientist. And this is when it's revealed that the scientist is working for Julie's dad. And he reports that she's dead, died of this thing. But they immediately get samples of her blood and use it to inject the population of Eros. Yeah, it's a big science experiment. Yeah, and they throw like the poor people of Eros into these like radiation-holding pens. Um, yeah, which must be them trying to feed it. Well, I kind of got that feeling as well at the time, but you do see them later also using some other means to empower the the creature or the blue goo. Anyway. Yeah. But they throw, they, so they throw all these people in and like they're incredibly unwell. They're very very quickly turning. I don't know if the radiation is meant to like jump start it, make it go quicker. Maybe. Perhaps. At this point our wee crew is split up, remember, and the yeah. whole place is shut down so they're trying to get to their ship. So... Coffee Bean and Mr. Hats are separate from everybody else. Yeah, and they're trying to find out... Uh, are they trying to just get into one of those chambers? Is that their whole mission? I point? think they're trying to see what's going on because they know that the... Is it meant, meant to be the police? They know the police are, like, gangsters from different Ye places. Yes, sort of. So they're trying to find out what is actually happening to this place while mm. the other people are trying to get the ship to get it ready to go. And yeah. they're going to try and meet up. Yeah, I mean, the port's locked down. The port was locked down. 
Um, and the ma- the rest of the crew that was with James is off trying to get to the ship, find their way along. Which, I think that went a wee, wee bit too long, just in them just trying to figure it out, because it, it seemed to be like, every time it bounced back to them, they bounced back to them like say six times, and five of the times was like, oh no, another wrong turn! Yeah. You know, I just felt like that one bit of the writing was a bit weird. I think they had to span that on so that the other side of the story could develop before they got to yeah, the ship. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense from a structural point of view. Yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, eventually Coffee Bean and Hats get into one of the chambers. Yeah, they see what's happening and they get irradiated. Yeah, so they have now got, like, super radiation poison... Yeah, I mean, it's not revealed, like, the dosage levels or whatever, but um, James seems to know that they are, basically, they've got death sentences already. Yeah, they said, said they're dead until, but they think they've got medicine back at the ship. Yeah, they've so got, they like, have... an anti-radiation medicine. Yeah, because we're uh, in the future. Yes. But they use some sort of drug that they find to kind of keep them sharp enough to get there. So they keep stabbing themselves with us as they go along. Yeah. Stabbing so themselves with that. Uh, was it you said it was methadone, didn't you? Well, or you I'm, thought I'm it was sure methadone. it said metha something. Yeah, but I pointed out that methadone, methadone users who use methadone, they basically fall asleep or like are re- it's, it's a it's a downer. So like you basically just sit there like, big potato. <laughs> so other the metha up is <laughs> metha up <laughs> metha up. Um. Uh, but yeah, so they. They start working their way back to the Rossinanti because that's the only way off the ship. And then, as this is happening, this is when it's revealed that after drawing all the blood from Julie's body, they set up what looks like a big laser pointing right at her. Oh, I forgot about this bit. Yeah, and they turn it on, and you see basically they start like empowering, like they give it energy to this thing with this goo, and. Like the episode, the last episode is called the the Leviathan Awakes. So we thought like it. Well, I immediately thought like when we read the episode title, I was like, oh my god, the entire Eros like planetary like um, body was gonna turn into like this big blue thing, which might still happen ultimately. But and that's one of the best things because the whole is it a station they're on. It's the station on Eros, yeah. Yeah, so whatever they zoom out from, at this point, it looks like a giant coffee bean. It does, yeah. Which I love, because coffee bean's on it. Yeah, exactly. So, coffee bean's on Eros, and it looks like a coffee bean. It's coffee beanception. Um, anyway, they fire off the energy of this laser. It seems to start empowering it, but that's when he uh, disappears and goes back to the rest of the crew. Ultimately, through a lot of shooting, they eventually all get back onto the ship, and Miller and James look terrible. They've been coughing, splurting blood the whole way. They essentially are dying from radiation sickness, but the drugs on the ship do do seem to be able to save them. I do. There's two deaths that happen before they get back there, and I do I do quite like them. So in order for Mister Hats and Coffee Bean to get back to the ship, they've got to go through this big crowded bit with all the police. Mm-hmm. And the last bit of the plot, Mr. Hatz's partner, remember he got stabbed by the OP dude. Yes. Um, way back, early episodes, and they never caught the guy, but the guy's there. And then, 
so to get past they started making like a riot and everyone starts shooting so they managed to run and when he sees this guy he holds the door for him and shouts him over yeah as if like he's going to save him yeah as if he's going to help him and then just when he gets to the door shoots him in the head yep and then James look at, J- James to his credit wants everyone to live he seems to be like a super goody two shoes where like no matter what's going wrong everyone must survive and he, that's kind of like typical main guy. He's got to be the good to the core sort of guy. Yeah, chiseled jaw. You can't be in the um, murky grey area like Mr. Hatt. Yeah, anyway, so he shoots him dead. Uh, James sort of looks at the body, looks up at Miller, and Miller just says, long story. <laughs> <laughs> Which they just accept but, and well, move on. Was it long story, but he deserved it? I can't remember, so, but I know he says lines. like long yeah. story, and they just they just go off at this point. But while, while this is all happening there, you're then on the ship, so Mr. Hatt's wee friend... Is on the ship with them and he's telling them to leave without them because they're dead. Which Carl's says, like, no, we're going to wait. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think he pulls a gun on her and is expecting Puppy to be on his side because he agrees with him. He wants to leave. Yeah. But obviously he is Puppy. And Puppy is loyal to one person. Puppy is loyal. And he knows that even if they don't agree, he knows that he should always trust her, so um, down goes Mr. Hatz's friend yep and poor wee Carlos is so scared at this point but wee puppy's just like you said it boss, let's go <laughs> <laughs> no, not let's go, you said it boss, we're going to wait yeah, well, you know Yeah. whatever yeah. they were planning on doing <laughs> yeah, exactly um, anyway, the, the crew meets up and they take off, they can't, they can't like escape from the the, the, the ship's basically clamped in and the bus driver's like to hell with this and rips it off and like just flies off I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't break the ship to be honest Mr. Bus Driver he, he's just loving it yeah no one can hold down him from his wee ship he's off like a rocket I think for the I think if you're going off like the person with the least lines how good they are I would say he's probably my favourite on the crew with the least lines it's almost like he I don't know, it's, it seems like he changes accent sometimes. Like, he's normal character, and then once he's in his wee ship, ship seat... <laughs> that was a wee tongue twister there. Um, once he's in his seat as pilot, he then starts going, like, almost cowboy. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's a little bit of that. Get, uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, and they fly off, and then that is where we leave it for them. But you do go back and you see um, Mr. Eyes, who's like the the sort of spy uh, kidnapper guy who was aboard the, the Ross and Nancy with them. Yeah. The reason we haven't mentioned him is he's not really super vocal to the plot, but he does appear here. Uh, he I, tried to get Coffee Bean to rescue him, but he knew that he was no good, so Coffee Bean made him go, but didn't kill him. So yeah. now he's left on the planet station, whatever it is. Yeah. So anyway, the the you see him you see him basically approach the blue hotel, and it's very 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 blue now. It's the blue goo stuff, but you can see like what looks like little spores flying into the air. So it's almost like really really big hay fever particles. Like that's what or pollen particles. Sorry, that's what I'm thinking. Of. It just looks like um, that's coming off of the place. Yeah. Um. But it seems to be like they seem to like form near him, like as if like they're mapping his body. So and he's standing there watching this whole thing, 
and it it's really unusual. Like we've not had an explanation of what this is, but it does look like it's like looking at him and learning what he looks like and you know how well, he's formed. Remember the science guy? They did say they're going to let it learn. Hmm. So we're, this is like what we figured out. It's like they're he's learning people, or he's learning about uh, he's how le- learning something anyway. But then, like once he once it's finished doing that. This claw comes out of nowhere, grabs him by the, the the torso, and just brings him up into what looks like... Again, it looks like the reactor of one of these ships, but I guess that's just maybe how it forms round things. Yeah. And basically drags him up, and presumably he's eaten. Absorbed into the goo. Absorbed, and maybe maybe the goo learns what... Um, learns what the other... The people that he's absorbed knows. So you haven't seen Starship Troopers, have you? No. But there is a, there's a creature in there called the Brain Bug. And the Brain Bug literally sucks the brains of people. But it retains the information within their brains. Okay. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what's happening here, but it wouldn't surprise me if that is what's happening. So I'm going to compare that to Warm Bodies. <laughs> Okay. When the zombie dude's eating the brain and he kind of gets the memory flashbacks. Yeah, that's like that Netflix show as well. Eye Zombie? Oh, yeah. That was a weird one. Yeah. But anyway, that's where we are at with it. But what I would say is it's a fantastic show. And if you've listened to us this long about it, thank you. We've literally just covered the skeleton of this. Yeah, there's a lot of more meatiness to it. Every episode's I don't I don't think there was a particular bad episode. They're all pretty good. They're all pretty good. I would say there's slightly weaker sections, but like it it's entertaining throughout. Because you're jumping back and forth, even if you're not liking someone's story at that point, you can like the other person's story. Yeah. I think there's five seasons right now and I don't I don't understand how they keep this going for five seasons. More plot threads must be coming in. Um but yeah. Well, it has to be the development of the weapon the bioweapon goo thing yeah but or either a war starts or who knows what but but yeah what I would say is that at least from the first season the Martians aren't really well developed so I reckon we're gonna see more of them I hope I, I think you have to you have to I, I, I don't think I, for five seasons worth of content I can't see how you can get that yeah but anyway that, that, that's the review we really liked it yeah um, we'll give it one big Sasquatch approval. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Really hope that our characters are favourites. You never actually said who your favourite was, did you? I did, it was, uh, Miller. Oh, yeah, Mr. Hats. So we're hoping Mr. Hats and Puppy survive. Yeah. Um, what a, what I would say is that if you have reached this far, Mr. Hats looks like Christopher Lambert from Highlander with... Uh, Edmund Munt's haircut on top and that's what he looks like which I didn't quite get until you showed me the picture and yes it does <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. anyway thank you very much everyone for listening I have been Turnip and I have been Sasquatch please leave a review uh, or a comment if you can and follow us where possible and we will see you in the next episode thank you very much bye 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 <laughs>